and I'm not gonna cower and I'm not gonna bow down. I'm gonna be myself, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Yeah. Welcome to the What's a Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them. Yeah. yeah. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. Yeah. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What's good, revolutionaries? Good, good. I hope all is well. Our last episode with Brother Jeff Fard. Yeah, yeah. This brother just dropped knowledge about community building and how we need to stand, stand up. up. <laughs> yeah. As as his his riddle that he gave to us, right? He's in a three feet pool with a two foot man on his back. What does he have to do? What did he say? But he's 12 feet tall. All he's got to do is stand up. Yeah. You know, and for those of you who are still trying to figure out that quandary, make sure that you reach out to Brother Jeff Bard. It was a good show, man. But I also have been mired in thought over the last couple of days. We saw a debate last week that just was, <laughs> I don't even want to call it a debate. It wasn't, it was a debate. It was, it was theater. That's what I'll call it. It was theater. It was bad, bad theater. Right, right. And then last night, last night, I got to watch Senator Kamala, right, right, Kamala, right, not Kamala, Kamala Harris, right, and Vice President Mike Pence debate. It was more civil, but it made me think about, right, we still have work to do. There's still work to do because the smooth, like I felt like I was watching when I was watching the debate last night on watching Vice President Mike Pence, I felt like I was drinking a a, a, a Colt 45. Like that you know, it it was smooth, right? He was he was smooth, right? Because for the as we say in the front, for the uneducated, right, you're listening and watching like he can't be telling lies he can't be telling he's smooth like that coke 45 i used to drink when i was like and when i shouldn't be drinking i was like oh this is good this is smooth it goes down easy don't get fooled revolutionaries do not get fooled just because the smooth taste is good for you doesn't mean right that it, it tastes good doesn't mean that it's good for you and so i began to think about who do I want to have this conversation is as we're like 26 days away somewhere around that before the election and i feel like it's my duty i can't have a show that's called what's your revolution and not have it's my duty to talk about the work that we need to do as revolutionary people as revolutionary men because there's been this statistic and my good brother wesley when i bring him on is probably going to illuminate is that it showed the number of black men in various counties across the country right that did not vote right and this was then over overlain i don't know if that's a real word with the amount of votes that Donald Trump won in those specific counties, right? And if black men had just gone out and vote, and if we had got, look, if just 50% of y'all, not the 10% of y'all that is voting for Donald Trump, just 50% of black men in those counties had just gone out and voted, we may not have had the last four years. It is a very, very interesting statistic for people to see and for us to hear but my revolutionary black man, I'm talking to you right now. Go register. Get if you missed the deadline. I'm sorry. I hate, but there are still states that you can go register. Do it. 
register and go out to vote. So I wanted to have this conversation with my good friend, New Orleanian, my brother in arms. He's been on the show before. This brother, if you see him, right, right, as we talked in the green room, looks straight up like, you know, Black Panther and Baku. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he used to be like straight place, the beard, the locks he got going on. Look, my brother, Wesley Bias. What's going on, brother? I'm good, man. I'm real, real good. Thank you for having me on the show once again. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and especially talk about what's happening in the world and politics. It's a it's a, it's a wild time. The it last is. week has been a wild time. It I'll is. tell you that. Yes, it is. Look, let me give look, let me give you the stats on this, brother. He's the vice president of campaign and creative services at Berlin Rosen. Right. You, you know, And this brother, like when we talk politics right now, you're going to be like, damn, like you're that you're that you're that dude like he brings extensive political experience as a general consultant direct mail venter and data director for campaigns like if you're trying to run a campaign right if you need somebody like to say these are the x y and z's that you need to do for your campaign wesley is the man brother i'm so happy like to have you back let me go ahead and get this question out of the way like wes what's your revolution yeah, I mean, right now my revolution is, especially I think in these times, a couple of a couple of ways. It's one to continue to have carefree blackness and everything that I do. Um, I think last time I said it, I was very clean cut. Now I think it's very overt where I'm at, um, and making sure that everything I can I can be is um in in not just in just a, a full range of blackness i tell people i get full servants that's what i do out to anybody and everybody um but at the same time trying to be able to own my version and my sense of masculinity um of being able to make sure that it is one that it that that is full and complete and fits me um and at the same time trying to make sure that you know we talked about this last time too about black boy joy yeah, right about yeah. basically being able to make sure that um, not only boys, but men in general can be happy, that we can be free, that we can be full, that we can be the providers and protectors of our sisters or our men, however people are, right? Um, but I want men to be able to be joyous because I, I, I have, I think, especially the last few times, since the last time we talked, I've had those opportunities to be joyous and have people see that and to be able to reflect on that to me about what it meant to see a black man happy yeah. and to be joyous. Um, so my revolution is carefree blackness is black boy joy as always. And it's to be able to help to make sure if I can part of that and the work of all the other things I'm doing in my job, there's a little bit to be able to make sure other men can see that joy too. So we can be how we need to be in this world. And that's what I'm here for. Man, brother. I, I, I love that, you know, I love that. I, I I waited for that hashtag Black Boy Jordan. I'm, 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 right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bring that around in one second, Wes. But y- y- you've dropped something new. You know what I'm saying? You you've dropped something new to me, and I'm like this carefree blackness. This hashtag carefree blackness. Yes. Like yes. Br- uh, unpack that for me, yeah. bro. Like I this mean- carefree black because. I, 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 I realize that I probably haven't gotten to that that feeling of carefree blackness. So I, I want you to really unpack that. Yeah, I mean, and and the way I see it is, I think often we enjoy we are able amongst ourselves. We we do it even in public. I think to a certain extent, Facebook and social media, um, these very black moments, these very black stories. The way that when we hear a song, we start dancing um, to that 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 jam. The way that you have a memory that connects with you and your own folk. 
Um, but I think when we're out in sort of mixed spaces, we're afraid to be able to show yeah, that, right? Yes. Um, and there's a variety of different reasons that I think are really valid why people might not want to do that. You don't want folk in your business. You don't want, you know, we, we know that like people like to mess with you. They like to steal this kind of uh, joy or culture from us. For me, I'm almost in the sense of I want, uh, I want people to be uncomfortable with the fact that I am comfortable, right? Yes. You know, at the end of the day, um, and I'm, I'm a, look, you know, people can't really see it. I'm six feet four, you know, I'm a heavy set guy. Like I'm a big guy. I've had to be concerned most of my life about how, how I was received in public, how people would receive me because of the, of the tropes of the images of the stereotypes people have a large black men. Right. And that's, it is what it is. That's what people believe, but that's not for me. Right. But what I did want to do is be able to make sure that in my appearance and what I'm wearing and how I'm talking about blackness, how I'm pro-black all day, every day, forever, right? Um, how I'm going to be able to make sure that people are going to have the full experience of blackness. That's what carefree blackness is, yes. right? And being able to see how people have to deal with it, right? And maybe some of what we're seeing in this world and what we're having happen now is because pe other people are starting to see and experience what carefree blackness is, right? Yeah, yeah, brother. Look, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking about, I got to go to a co-working space tomorrow to, to kind of look around. And usually like Dr. Corporate would be in this space. Let me go put on a blazer and, you know, some slacks and some nice, some nice uh, buckle ups. I can't think of it. monk straps. There we go. Yes, put, put on some nice, uh, I'm not doing that. I'm putting on my ones and a V neck and the chains and I'm going in like that's because that's just me now. That's right. And I can't, I can't worry about if my blackness, like you said, if my blackness is going to worry you, Right. At the end of the day, there are three letters behind my name. And like in these spaces, guess what? It's doctor. Right. <laughs> and so, right. So I'm going to be in this space and I don't care if you think one way or the one way or the other. Yeah. But I had to get to that, Wes. And that's why I want to that's why I, I wanted you to unpack. It. I had to get that because we have been mired in these Eurocentric ways of that. I've got to comport myself in a certain way to be accepted in certain places in certain times. Right. Mm -hmm. the coat and the jacket. I remember, you know, when I started traveling, I got finally got that upgrade to first class, you know, you know, right. Oh, right. Let, let me dress this, let me dress this up. Right. Because I'm in first class, but then I'm looking around me. Right. Right. The dudes, the, the, the oil dudes still got their like hunting fatigues on. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. They got their carefree whiteness going on. So why do I have to be the one to dress up so i started wearing look i started wearing my nike sweats i'm like whatever let me put these ones i still like this is my blackness right here that's right yeah. and, 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 it's, and it's and look it's about the wear it's about when i'm reading when i'm on the plane it's about people making it very clear right that you're gonna have this this black man around you and i'm not gonna cower and i'm not gonna bow down i'm gonna be myself right and yeah. it's even more i think than sort of the idea of like respectability it's about um taking the space and place that i've earned and deserve you know i'm not a baller like you so i don't have first class i have the pre-check i would tell you the best thing about pre-check i think well before COVID, was just sort of sometimes you go to the airport um you know i'm up here in new york now 
and like going through JFK and you see the long line and then you see the one for pre-check and yes. you kind of fall through and you see people look at you and it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got this, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I got this. a lot, right? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it, look, at the end of the day, people have to be able to understand. And even for me in this work, um, people do not look the way that I do. Yes. I think there are forms, right? You have, you know, you had Dr. You had uh, Cornell Belcher on earlier. Um, he's somebody that looks and feels and sounds different. Yes. There's not that many, um, you know, black men that that look different in this work yeah. where they have Afro, they have the locks, right? You're starting to see more and more of it. Um, and it's important because all of this is about making sure that we're continuing um, to a, a, as our culture, as our society is changing. And I mean, that is just black people in general. Um, we're going to have to continue to put a full court pressure on people being able to deal with it. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and to show it and to illuminate it. And like you said, and love to, it and to and love it. There you go. And to, and to love it. Right. And yeah, you know, uh, Bill Cross talks about um, in his racial identity profile here, here's Dr. Corporal coming out for a second. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said that they're the, you know, they talk about these events and I can't remember the whole theory. People go Google Bill William Cross uh, racial identity theory, but there are these events that happen that bring us back into our blackness or bring us back into our racial identity. And I think what what we've seen over, you know, over the last decade, because we've been able to have information overload, Wes, we've been able to see <laughs> we've been able to see black men get killed like literally we can watch people's like life being taken out of their bodies. Right. And the trauma that it has on us. Right. And so those types of things say, you know what, I, I, I haven't really been thinking about my blackness. I've, I've just been kind of like doing my thing. I'm okay. I'm, I'm mingling here. I'm doing here. But when you see that you get back into that, like, wait a minute. Oh, sh I'm a black man. That's right. Yeah. And you can. And so what I the point that I'm trying to make, Wes, is that I feel like I'm I'm really, truly back in my blackness, like for the first time in a long time, in a long time, yeah, in a long time that I'm back. I hear it in my voice. I hear it in how I'm talking to my guests. Like I'm talking like I'm, I'm, I'm in my blackness because, you know what, you you forced me to come back to this. And yeah, I know people. I, who, I, I remember. Go ahead. No, I remember. No, no. I was gonna say. I remember just. Uh, I remember when the Mike Brown incident happened, and then everything sort of that went to the 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 conviction on the lack of conviction, right? And Trayvon Martin. I remember those two moments really in 2013 and 14 when I had like very real breakdowns because it wasn't that I I. It wasn't that I didn't know that it wasn't possible that, you know, neither one of these men were going to get justice. I think with Trayvon, I figure a broken clock's right twice a day. Like, you got to get this one right. I think when Mike Brown had tore me apart because me and him are very much the same size, even though I'm, old, I'm older than him, we were about the same size. And you think, like, you know, being a larger guy, people are just not really going to mess with you. But either that or Eric Gardner or any of the other stories yeah, we, we talk about it. the men. Um, I mean, you know, even with a Breonna Taylor, right. Or a Sandra Bland, if a Sandra Bland was five eleven, six feet. It doesn't matter how large you are. People are going to mess with you. They want to mess with you. Um, and you, it makes you uh, come back to grips of like, you have to, 
not only just being a black man, but you have to survive, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, the one thing I want, I do want to be able to do when I'm surviving, I want to be happy about it. I want to have yeah. joy and I want to yeah. do it in a way where people can um, find joy in this because I think now more than ever, it is important to be able to, as we, we deal with uh, our new reality, that we're there, this is going to be what we're going to do, what we're going to be for a while, but yeah. we have to be able to find ways to celebrate ourselves and our blackness, to be able to find joy in that um, and to continue to, to thrive because, uh, you know, knock on wood, things are going to happen right on election day and think it'll be all good. I guess, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, just, yeah. I just want to say this one last thing before we, yes. jump in, before we jump in. You are you have described yourself, you have self-described yourself as the king of brunch. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I wanted to make sure that we brought that out there, that this brother is self-described him he's proclaimed that i am the king of brunch right so what's up with that like what is that what is that all about the king of brunch? i mean you, so a couple of different things i think one is it's interesting especially to talk about on this show um because part of that came from there was a very bad internet mean joke that went around two or three years ago where was somebody yeah where somebody was saying that like oh i saw a bunch of men having brunch together they must be gay and it's like well first of all any meal where there's unlimited alcohol, whatever, <laughs> you know, sexuality, whatever. But like, you know, to me, I wanted to do a couple of different things. I wanted to one, be able to celebrate which is just like one of my, my favorite meal, I think of the yeah. day when I'm able to enjoy it because it, 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 it allows you to like have samples of everything you can eat, whether from breakfast, lunch or dinner during the day, but you're able to have alcohol that's kind of free flowing. And if you're thinking about the atmosphere, you have the music, so you're able to let your hair down a little bit, have conversations, you know, with, with, with your date, with your homies, right. uh, with a group of people, with, 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 if, you're, if you're with your women, whatever, like, like you're able to really enjoy a meal for an extended period of time. Like, you know, there's been brunches I've been to that have been like five or six hours. I've just been there all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Monday, as, as, as That's the right. call it, yeah. You know, and the second thing was like the, to to like this very piss poor way of trying to emasculate men because they're enjoying themselves. Like men can enjoy eating meals too. Right. Yeah, and, amongst yeah, each yeah. Other, and in brotherhood with each other, and it doesn't necessarily have to change like sexuality or interpretation of, of masculinity. So, you know, it was also claiming that, right. And I, I used to spend a lot of time on Sundays <laughs> going around town, wherever I was enjoying brunches. I don't know what that looks like now, no, but you know, uh, you better you get know. that culinary culinary delights on under your crib. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that I've been doing a little bit of that too, getting my yeah. cook on. So you know, that's the the the. the it's not just about saying king of brunch because I like the goat eat. I can make it happen too. Yeah, so. no, yeah. no. Look, uh, brother, I'm you know I I appreciate that. I, I was went back to New Orleans a couple weekends ago, and spend some time with my frat brothers you know omegas do get together and eat i mean we like chicken and brew don't get me wrong right but we went to we went tomorrow so shout out to larry morrow and his mother lenora chong um they took good care of us so want to just give them a give them a shout out morrow's saint claude new orleans he don't need a whole lot of pub for me because he, 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 he yeah it's popping over there yeah he's got enough pub but shout out to him shout out to his mother lenora who is just great people <laughs> wonderful woman, wonderful chef, man. And just like, they just took care of us. But the point is that it was four of us, right? Laughing, joking, you know, fellowshipping. You know, we, we, we talked about stocks. We, we, we talked about 
finances. We talked about real estate. We talked about the typical men conversation as well. Um, but the, the diversity of topics that comes through, like, and we just had a good time. Men need to, you know, and the research on that, Wes, is that men need to congregate together, right? Yeah. And that it's, that it's okay. I don't, I don't care uh, what your sexuality is. Like, men need to congregate together. And it would be better if men congregate together across sexualities. You would learn more about each other. And we just had a good time, man. And I felt full, you know, and, and what does that feel like in a time of COVID when you can feel full because you're able to fellowship together? That's Laughter, right. right? Getting all scientific one more time. Oxytocin, right? That, that, that feeling of bonding, that hormonal bonding that happens can also happen when brothers get together just to sit and chime and talk and laugh. We need to do that more, brother. So I appreciate you being the king of brunch. Go check this brother out. If you are in Brooklyn, tell him I sent you, right? He will take you all over. Look, Wes, why I want you on the show, you know, you always you always get me. But look, what the hell is going on, man? <laughs> what, what, the, what the hell is going on, man? Look, I, I, we, look. Got, we got 26 days, man. What do we need to do? This, that, that's all I want. What do we need to do, Wes? So there's not. So let me just. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the too long didn't read really quickly. Um, particularly because I know that our, our group of, uh, is, is men and is black men. The most important thing that we need to do is go vote, 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 vote. Like you've heard at the debates, voting is the most important thing. I'll talk about a bunch of stuff, but please do not sit in the sidelines. Please go vote. It is extremely important. I'm going to make the argument now. But I'm going to tell you the most important thing is to go vote. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to be redundant, as I can imagine that everybody else has. This has been the most incredible year in human history, in modern human history, not just American history, human history. Um, the amount of information that we've had to process just alone from just the information standpoint, the diversity of it. Um, being in the first real pandemic in over 100 years, um, dealing with another uh, recession in the economy, um, the complete just changing of our of, of, of our of our economy um, is incredible. And that's before we already have the, the four years of the biggest shock that anybody can imagine in American political system with Donald Trump. Um, the norms that we've have established in this country are completely gone. I think I might have said this in when we talked three years ago, uh, Doc, is that like I always knew when Donald Trump was running that he opened Pandora's box and no matter who won, um, we were going to have to try to figure out what to happen now that box was open. And unfortunately, that box has been torn apart the last torn four years. Torn apart, torn um, apart, ripped up reconstructed and you know what i'm saying <laughs> it, it's 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 indescribable what we've yeah. seen now and you can you can very much feel it in the energy i saw a poll last week that said that it's, it's somewhere around 30 to 35 percent americans are okay with political violence and it's climbing right like this is a country <laughs> that's that millions of people that's millions of people i just want you to understand what he just said that's millions that's, that's of people mil, hundred that, if that's 35 percent of all of america that's over 100 million people y'all that combined is, that's, that's that, that is saying that um just understand that we're we're in different times now we're on edge and um now that everybody has to stay inside you have more time to think about it and um, you know, you talked about the debates of the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, <laughs> like, 
Last last night was last night was better, you know, with with Senator Harris and Vice President Pence. At least you could hear them talk. Yes, thought thoughts. Uh, last week, where I'm fairly certain, you know, the President of the United States purposely tried to commit a bioterror attack and expose oh. President, Vice President Biden. Wow. Let's be clear. Oh. Let's be clear. You're telling me that he didn't want. He didn't want to take the public test. I don't. And they already knew on Wednesday that he had it like that was the first day I would bet good money. They knew on Tuesday that and, he had. as Mark Meadows said, we want to move forward. We're not going <laughs> Mark Meadows said we're going to talk about moving forward. We don't. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm look, look, you go ahead. What we got to do? Like, yeah, what's so going I mean. On? So look, here's the thing. I mean, right now we're we're uh, this is we've we've hear this every two or four years that this is the most important time of our lives, um, but this one is this is the most important election of our entire lives, right? And literally because lives are on the stake, we we've we've seen that, um, but mo- but really it's important because we're seeing um, particularly with black men a very concerted effort. Um, around voter suppression and not just voter suppression, I think through traditional disenfranchisement um, where we're thinking about sort of the lies that we've heard about mail-in voting, about the the push from the other side to have like an army of poll watchers that are going to be watching what we're doing, right? Um, when we're thinking about the, the many different ways of how we're seeing like the misinformation around voting. Yeah. So it's not just disenfranchisement in, in the traditional sense that we know, it's important. Please, everybody, go vote. Please make sure that your vote counts. Um, you know, do it safely. So mail-in vote. If you can't do that, go in person, do that. But we're also seeing um, this in, not, voter suppression and misinformation online. Um, we're seeing sort of at this moment with 26 days, as you say, before the election, um, the Ice Cube and the Killer Mikes, who are all like, "Well, you know, what about what, what about us? What's the agenda for Black men? And what's, when are these conversations going on?" And it's throwing up um, what I think you know us as men, as Black men, have struggled with, which is you you want to be able to provide, you want to be able to do the things um, that allow you to own in sort of what has been the typical way of how maleness and masculinity has been shown in the Black community which is providing through jobs, which is providing through education, which is for being able to um, have these things that show you are a leader. Um, and maybe it has not happened with this president. And now we're waiting until the very end of the election to force candidates, some of these candidates in which have already said that they're going to do things that are going to better help our community, help our sisters out, help our children out. And now we're actually trying to have a conversation about undecided voters in an election, I think presidential, we can t- we, we got to talk about down ballot stuff too, where there has n- never been in modern American history a clearer choice between two candidates and which you are going to get on which, depending on who you vote for. And we're having this conversation right now. So, you know, brothers, we got to go vote, but brothers, we can't get played either, either in somebody trying to take our vote away or convincing us of something that doesn't make any real sense right right there's so much there there's 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 so much in there Wes like I'm that person right and I for some reason I, I, I've i been living under a rock maybe I'm that person and I come yes. out from under my rock right what's the misinformation that I'm hearing right what what are some of the examples of misinformation that's 
out there that could, you know, kind of stymie me, like, or, 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 or maybe even make me think this is actually the truth. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of different things. I think one, there's, there's the basic pieces that like, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris don't have plans on what to do in order to better help African-Americans and black people. You can go on their website. There's like three separate versions, very detailed plans of things that they want to do in order to be able to help black folk. But there's things that are going around that saying like these people are not trying to do things for black folk. There are just general memes that went around that were saying, and this was earlier in the year. So imagine, so the memes that happened earlier this year, and let's think about what we saw last night. That said that Senator Harris hated black men because she, she locked up more black men in the history of, uh, broke the record for locking up black men in California. First of all, there's a, there's a record, like, there's like a Guinness book of California records. You, and you're the DA that locked up. And, right, and two, you're the AG. Like that, that ain't that ain't what you do. Your job is to like manage the law of what's happening in the state. Um, and you, that was used effectively as a way to peel black men off um, to where they weren't going to vote for in the primary. And then think about last night. And I think about the four people who I saw in the last week and a half in the debate. And nobody looked more presidential, actually, than Senator Kamala Harris, to be honest, right? Um, I think about the rumors and when, when you when you hear conversations with, with fellow brothers who are, you know, quote, unquote, undecided or trying to say that they're, you know, they're, they're free thinking, independent men. So they don't, they're not like part of the sheeple with the Democratic Party is that they want to hear about things around economics. They want to hear about things around criminal justice and they want to hear around, um, about things around health care. And it's like, well... The one thing I could tell you is, you know, President Trump doesn't have a plan for any of these, but I can tell you that the presidential candidates do. And if they don't, the Senate candidates or the House of Representative candidates or your state House or your state Senate candidate has plans for these. Right. Um, you just continue to see meme after meme after meme or even like I think now what you're seeing with Ice Cube. Right. And his contract with America, uh, with black America that initially was supposed to be for um for all of black America. Then I think when he got criticism from black women around that work, because there's plenty of agendas that are out there that already existed that were like dealing with and very comprehensive of what black Americans needed. Then he said, well, we need to know what's the black male agenda. Then when people said you need to have a black male agenda, then it was, well, we need to have these calls at the campaigns to get delivery on like things like um, slots for trade jobs and and um and, and being able to get understand around opportunity zones right that's by the way we found out only really benefits rich investors not necessarily the the average african-american yeah yeah you gotta be you have right. to be an accredited investor right right, right. And, but but people buy into the, the opportunity zones but right. it's all talking points because i think like which i get Brothers are out here, and I think especially now in COVID times when you are separated, where you are not able to be connected, where it feels like, um, where, 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 where I think some brothers feel like in how they have heard that Black women are the center of the Democratic Party. There are some brothers who feel like they haven't heard that or something similar about Black men in general. So now this is the time to be able to get attention because, you know, the, the, nobody gets more attention the last 30 days of an election than an undecided voter. And this is a time for you to be able to talk about whether grievances or policy positions. But, um, 
you know, right now we're in this space where brothers are looking for ways to be heard, and this is the way to do it. And I feel like for some from some men, they're they're not able to like step up to the plate and say what they got to say. You know, like it, it's so much in there, Wes. Like thinking about like coalition building, and that seems to be the theme of my week. Yes. Whether, whether it's you know with Camelback Ventures or whether whether it's with the the podcast and coalition build, like. We, we can't deviate, right? We can't have like these offshoots, these one-offs, right? Yeah. We've got to have, we've got to have one linear voice, right? This, and that one linear voice is, look, okay, let's talk about this on November 4th, right? Correct. Let's, look, go out and vote. Go out, look, because go out and vote for the, right, the existential presence that has been marring your livelihood for the last four years or a way out of that. That's right. And and look, and look, it's it's even if it's not the presidential, we've seen what the last six months, the the outpouring because of cops continuing to kill unarmed black folk. Right. And then we see how they have not been convicted um, for those killings. Y'all in some of these cities, there are district attorneys that are up for election right now. Tell right? the story. Tell you know, the so story. like, even if you, if you're not pleased about what's happening at the top of the ticket, the judges that aren't, that, that aren't really given fair trials, the criminal court judges, um, the DAs, um, the DAs, uh, who, who didn't convict are taking a look at it. Like, Right now, there's an opportunity to change the system, particularly because it seems like more Americans are, are not buying into this anymore. So yeah. you got to go vote because like live livelihood, your livelihood, your lives are on the ballot. Justice is on the ballot, like housing, all the things that you want to have happen now, I think, is the biggest time in ever um, to be able to see real change happen. Yeah. I love that you 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 brought us because we can get stuck on Joe Biden and Donald Trump or uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Mike Pence. But you know this and you can speak to this. You can speak to this best. State policy, local policy have more of an impact. And tell me if I'm wrong, more of an impact on our livelihoods than federal policy. And we always used to say, I remember you said on the last time we talked, is that was it all elections are local. All politics are local. All politics is local. All politics is is local. So thinking about this, I'm thinking about the school board races here in Virginia Beach, Virginia, right? And the impact that my brother Aaron Spence is trying to have on all 70,000 of our students here in Virginia Beach, right? But he's got these four conservative school board members who just don't give a damn about every student. They're on the ballot, right? They're on the ballot. So that that means... Policy issues around educating every child, right, and following the lead of an equitable, progressive leader like Aaron Spence mm-hmm. that thinks about every child from every perspective is on the ballot. And so we've got to think about this. Speak to this for one second is that yes. like in presidential years, black folks tend to go out more and vote because we think we, we, we get lost in those you know, higher in elections, but why is it so important for us to go out and vote in those off years? And I think we've said it, but I want to, yes. I want people to hear it like, okay, 2020, but we got 22 and we got 24, right? That's right. And you've got some off year elections that are still going to be happening. Why do we need to always go out and vote? 
Well, look, and, and we can talk about the, the city we both used to be in, New Orleans. They're having their mayoral and city council elections next year, right? And for the most part, when we think about, and that's, you know, there, here where I'm at in New York City, all across the country, there's mayoral elections, there's city council, there's county commission. Um, and these are the people that are deciding the police department, the fire department, the, the parks, right, the streets, the day-to-day things that we are most concerned about, particularly if you live in cities or local areas, like those elections and those are people that you know and you can touch and you can see, like, I think we can both vouch in New Orleans. Like, it, it's not hard to find the city council member or the mayor. They're going to be on the second line. They're going to be on the second right. line somewhere. Jason Williams is going to be somewhere on the second That's line. That's going to be somewhere, right? You can, If you want to find Jason Williams, you can find him. It ain't hard to find him back home. It, I mean, even up here in a place like New York, if you want to find your city council member, it's not hard to find them. I mean, these are the people that, like, are really dealing with those day-to-day things. That's why it's important to vote in these elections. Uh, we talk a lot about judges, right? Um, and often we think about it from the Supreme Court. Um, or federal, but we don't think about the, the thousands of judges that we get to elect that deal with civil or criminal court issues, right? That really um, are, the, are, are, the, are the second sort of line of that criminal legal system um, that determines that black and brown people are going to jail. They're going to get for, uh, fair trials, right? Um, in some places, it, I, I told somebody this earlier um, this year that if they lived in Durham, North Carolina, and they decided not to vote for the presidential election. That they that found it. They were they were uh, forfeiting their vote for twenty six other elections wow. from state senate from U.S. Senate to House of Representatives to state senate to water board to county commission. So twenty six other decision makers, other people that were going to be part in determining what they were going to do. They were forfeiting that because. They were undecided between the top of the ticket. Um, look, even if you're somebody that doesn't believe in government, unfortunately, we live in a society where it made for you, right? Um, and every time we want to forfeit those decisions, and I think schools are, are really important. Whenever we forfeit the decision of our of our children's education to somebody else, um, it only makes it that much more likely that your child is not going to get what they deserve. So. Um, we, you, you know, I, I'm not one of those kinds of people, uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe in saying, you know, foolishness, like we are not our ancestors. We are hundred percent our ancestors because they were about it and they were fighting and they fought for this right for us to be able to vote because, um, ultimately it is our ability to be able to make a decision and make a choice and make that choice very vocal. And whether you win, lose or draw, whether you're part of the of the winning team or the opposition or the resistance, that vote allows you to know that you made a stand, right? To use that parable you said at the beginning, all you got to do is stand up, and part of standing up is voting yeah. and voting to make sure for every single decision that you have. I don't ever believe I don't like other people making decisions for me, but since we live in a society and that's the case, I'm going to use my voice to make sure people know where I stand, so then that way nobody can ever know that they didn't have an idea what I wanted and what yeah, I want to try to get accomplished. I think, you know, when we talk about Kaepernick, you know, when this all started yeah, and he lost a little bit of credibility when he said he didn't go out and vote. Right. He's been yeah. able to, he's been, he has been able to kind of move that narrative away. But I just remember like, Oh, 
I, I remember feeling like, brother, I'm behind you. I'm with you, right? I understand. My father is a veteran, you know, retired lieutenant colonel, right? I, re, you know, as I was thinking about this whole thing, people up in the uproar, like, you know, it's you're you're uh, offensive against the Fed. You're you're disrespecting our military. My father is a retired military, and I have seen photos of black men coming back from war lynched. Right. But I didn't see I don't see you. I don't I don't hear you talking about that. Right. As if this narrative is that people in the military are only white men. That's right. Right. You know, because my people have fought and died for this country. Right. Just like everybody else. That's right. And just just like everybody else. So please understand that. Right. Seeing pictures of men string stringed up from trees. Right. And you want to get mad because we're going to kneel peacefully at a football game. Come on, man. I don't like disrespectful that you killed us. That's right. That's disrespectful. Um, Bruh. See, see, William Cross has brought me back to my blackness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Brought me all back to all back to my blackness. To see the numbers of black men that did not vote in the election in 2016. Why? Why, Wes? Why? Why? The uh, I mean, these are large, large look swaths of black men that did not go out and vote. Mm-hmm. Any hypothesis? Uh, you know, there's there's a couple I can surmise off the back end. I think you know the one could be the easiest example, which is you didn't have Barack Obama on the ballot, so in essence, you didn't have a black man that some black men could see themselves in. A lot of black men could see themselves in. Mm. Um, but I don't think that was necessarily the case, right? I think part of what you saw um, was this interesting dichotomy. I mean, Donald Trump, prior to the presidential election, had this very weird space in the black community. And I think particularly um, with black men of a certain age, because he was seen, you know, and I'm not just making this up. I'm talking about in the rap songs. I'm talking about on Will Smith's show. I'm talking about in, in these cameos. He was seen in black spaces as sort of the epitome of what wealth looked like, mm-hmm. right? So I think one was this very confusing way in how Donald Trump was already in the system and how people, you know, as, as, as somebody once said, like Donald Trump is what poor people believe rich looks like, gaudy gold, which is an offensive statement in itself of somebody to say, but this idea of it's like it's supposed to be over the top when you make it, right? I think that on top of we're seeing we saw real the the real sexism as it relates to Hillary Clinton um, and 25 years of just like work against the Clinton family in a large political fashion um, that convinced people when they got to 2016, you had a, a President Obama that didn't do anything for black people, which I realize is kind of like a euphemism for he didn't pass reparations, right? <laughs> You know, like generally when I realize when somebody says the Democratic Party hasn't done anything for black people, they mean reparations. That's really just what it means, um, as I figured it out. So like you have President in Barack Obama, a black man who did nothing. You have Hillary Clinton, who you can't trust for a variety of different reasons. Then you have Donald Trump, who's probably not who you should vote for. But, you you know, you did know he's the man that like you want to be that keep you want to be rich. And people said, hey, I'm just going to stay home. Like, I don't think, you know, they, they, they heard the question from Donald Trump, what do you have to lose? And they were like, yeah, I guess nothing, right? Stay at home. Um, 
And now we, we ended up that many other people stayed at home, but we ended up in this situation that we are now, right? Um, where, you know, this man, this president who didn't really want to be president has been president for four years. Um, and part of it has been just because of the real misinformation that we, that we saw coming from our own communities, coming from, um, coming Russia. from the Republicans, coming from Russia, um, that really succeeded in 2016. Um, because part of it was confirmation bias, right? Yes. Um, black yes. men felt like they were not being heard. They felt like they were being, um, they were being disregarded. And there was plenty of misinformation that helped to confirm that bias. Um, and even to a certain extent, um, allowed some black men, I think, to be politically detached from black yeah. women in a way that was really harmful. I think not only just an electoral standpoint, but as you talk about coalition building, I see how it's playing out now in 2020, like this detachment from black women has made it so much harder, I think, to think uh, after this election. Um, how do black men, and then particularly those ones that feel like there's, they have a political grievance, how they're going to be brought back in the fold? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. And as Wes has said throughout this whole show, put, some, put, put your feelings aside, put your ego aside, and just go vote, right? Just go vote, people, because this election and the aftermath of this election Wes, what i worry about what i what i what i worry about as a as a as an american (laughs) we'll unpack that in a second what i worry about as an american is that no matter the outcome of the election once once somebody is declared winner and somebody is declared loser we're going to rip each other apart. Oh yeah. Right. The so the, the seeds of discontent have been planted. And on one side there's a mistrust, on both sides there's a mistrust. One they are sowing seeds of discontent to say this election is rigged, and on the other side we're like how the hell did you even get here? That's right. right? And if it happens again, something's got to be wrong. And so I'm 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 worried, and the point is, and the diatribe that I've got going on is that my argument is that we are outgunned. <laughs> we oh. we are out, we are outgunned, and I've said this. Everybody's been hearing this. My revolution is like you say this every show, but I, yeah. we're outgunned, and people keep telling me, "Oh, were there enough guns in the hood?" Bullshit. There are not enough guns in the hood. Do you see? Like you you saw today how the militia plotted against Governor Whitmer in Michigan. Yes, they wanted yes. to take it right. They were plotting to right these people underground, like terrorist organization. I said it out loud. Militias are terrorist yeah, organizations. Right, those are six domestic terrorists. Right, right, right. If you don't want to call what what this plot was domestic terror. You've got issues, and, and I'm, I'm going to say that it reeks of privilege because if you're calling Black Lives Matter a terrorist organization because of peaceful protests and some looters and rioters that didn't were, weren't invited to the cookout, <laughs> right? You yes, may not sir. know you may not know what that means, right? But we didn't invite the looters and the rioters to the cookout, right? The loot, the, the peaceful protesters that came along to say this is what's going on. That's the cookout. That's folks, right. Right? Ain't nobody plotting to kill and maim and kidnap the governor of michigan bro 
Wes. No, 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 not not one Black Lives Matter person ever thought. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna set the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get me and my crew, and we go. You know what we gonna do? We gonna kidnap. No, the no. Gov- look, look, uh, the, the governor. Because you mad? Because you mad? They coming for me. You mad because you gotta wear a mask? Mask. You gotta wear right. You got my liberty. My liberties have been taken away from me. You've been taking away our liberties for four hundred years, right? <laughs> you're literally 400 years literally y'all. 400 years and you keep trying to take away the most important right that i have my ability to vote you're trying to suppress my vote but you're gonna call me a terrorist when you tried to kill the woman you plotted against killing her shooting look shooting the state troopers <laughs> wes wes I, look wes. I, i'm look so there there's an article um i shared with a friend of mine about like a month or so where it was a war game strategist and they talked about the four potential civil wars that we could have um, after this election and depending on the election result. Um, And the best result, which is kind of like a Biden blowout says you have an American civil war where, you know, some states succeed from the United States because they're like, you know, forget this, we're gonna do, do our own thing. The horrendous part of this this article was if there was somehow a Trump victory or like some type of Trump blowout in which they said you would have the Rwandan civil war and you may have actual genocide in this country. Right. Because then just just imagine if Donald Trump gets a second term. No telling what's next in this country. So, I mean, the thing is, is, look, like I told you at the before we got on. I've been starting to prepare myself to be able to make a run across some border sooner rather than later. Um, you know, while, look, I also have the benefit of seeing a lot of polling and, you know, um, polling and trends tell us that, you know, generally this country is so tired of what's going on. Um, we talked a little bit about the debate, but I think like there is no way a woman who wasn't already all, all, all the way in for Donald Trump they could see last week's debate and not be reminded of every abusive man or every man in the media that has over talked them or, or, or I remember being in meetings when I hear a sister talking, I hear some man starting to talk. I just shut up. Just, <laughs> I'm talking, quiet. I'm speaking. I'm Listen, speaking. No, I have to like, stop. I don't want to hear you talk anymore. I want to hear this sister talk. Right. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's just, like, I want to hear this brother talk. So it's, it's, it's while polling and everything says that we should be in good shape. You're right. The, 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 this country has been broken apart. What I think, you know, the right wing wanted, which was the sow seeds of hate and division has been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, people are more willing to do wilder things. Um, the fact that, like you said, we, we had an active plot for a, a governor and a sitting governor to get kidnapped. Like that's not something that happens out here in the 2020, bro. In 2020, <laughs> but I mean, you know, this is where this year is, right? Um, desperate times are making desperate people do desperate things, um, and we live in a world where, where even though you have the the leader of this country calling for law and order, he doesn't follow laws, right? Yeah, it, it, um, it, it, in it a country, in a country that was built on honor. Um, there is no honor in a country that is built on being able to trust the people in your community. You don't know who has your back or not. Um, 
it's rough out here. And on top of it, and on top of it, I think with COVID, um, you're not able to share that time and space. We talked about with the brunch stuff, but we're not able to share the time and the space. And honestly, the healing that comes from being yeah. around people that you love and trust, we, we, we have to do like, look, the last two times we talked, it was in the studio. Now yeah, we're doing no, no. Yeah, exactly. right? it's, 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 it's hard to be able to, to, um, to go through all of this, to go through this tough political time, um, realize that very much, you know, there may be real, polu- I don't want to be the one to have to say it, but I want my people to be prepared. Yes. Please, please vote, please vote. Because if this does not work out on November 3rd, there's no telling what November 4th or 5th or Man. December 5th looks like. Man, let me, um, look, 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 you have, you have said it. I mean, you, it just brings, it brings me back to what I said, uh, American. <laughs> and American. And I, it brings me back to this post that I put on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, citing Langston Hughes's poem, I Too Sing America. And the top of the post was, it's my flag too. Yeah. Right. And what, what I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wes, is that I feel like the American flag has been co-opted into the Confederate flag. I can't really fly the Confederate flag because I really don't want folks to see that I'm racist. Yeah. But I'm going to fly this American flag because nobody can say, well, I'm just showing national, national pride. I don't see how I don't see a whole lot of black and Latinx folks flying the American flag, right? Because no. it, it, it's this feeling like I'm American ish, you I'm know, American by citizenship, yeah. but I'm not, I don't feel American, right? I feel I like we only get the privileges of feeling American when we're not in America, yeah, like, yeah, it, exactly, like being in, being in Europe. Oh, you're American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm American or I'm American when the national teams are playing like because I, I, I feel like this. I can't go nowhere else. That's right. right. I'm not Uruguayan. Right. I'm a, a, I'm a, I'm an American and I want to wake up every I, I, I want to feel like I can put this flag on me somewhere and yeah. that that it actually endears me to my country like to feel the nationalist pride when I when I right when I when I see people at CrossFit and I see the American flag, it's probably why I, why I don't go, why I don't feel comfortable with CrossFit because I feel like you know it's just not diverse and cult- that I, I'm not fully accepted there mm-hmm. because maybe it's just the images of you know hyper masculine white men you know at CrossFit, and that's a stereotype. That I, I'm saying that out loud. That's the stereotype, but that's how I see because I see these large American flags draped in these gyms. Well, I want to be fit too. I'm a, I, I'm an American, no, sir. ish, and I want to feel like I'm an. I want to have a home where I feel safe. It's got to feel good when you can drape this flag in your homes or on your poles, right? But you get mad because. I say black lives, my flag says black lives matter. And in turn, what that actually is saying is that I just want to be an American. That's right. Right. right? I want to be black. I want to be Latinx. I want to be, look, um, I want to be whatever. You I know just want to be alive. I just, just want to be, be alive. I, I want to be alive. So when I put that flag up, 
And listen to me, revolutionaries, because I remember I, when I put that flag up, it says to me, black lives do matter. Right. Because if I can fly that flag and I can feel like I'm an American, that I can sit in my household, I can drink my wine, I can go out. And if I get stopped by the police, I'm not afraid that I'm going I'm not going to make it home. That's what that flag means to me. Right. That if I can fly, that I can feel just as safe as you do. Right. And have the rights and privileges and inalienable right rights and privileges. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of, as my man said, carefree happiness as a black man. Let me see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what that I want to feel, you know, and we've got to where we differentiate the flags, right? I've got my flag with the thin blue line. I've got my flag with yeah. the thin red line. I've got my Black Lives Matter. All of the ultimately people. We just want to be American, right? And all, right? That's it. And to feel safe and to go out to the rest of the world and say, guess what? We figured it out. That's right. We figured it. We figured it out. It's just not your flag. It's just not your flag. Wes, <laughs> brother, I truly appreciate you. I appreciate you. Oh, uh, for bringing out everything, for bringing out the joy that it means to have a brother like you on this show, uh, for what you're doing in the world, for the intellect and intelligence that you bring to political campaigns and to the people who are actually trying to change the world. Brother, you you are the revolution that we need. You are the revolutionary that is in place to make sure all of this happens. I am grateful for you. I am grateful that you put out there that this carefree blackness Man, you need to look, you need to go ahead and put that on a shirt or put it on somewhere. Carefree blackness. Oh, no, I'm gonna make it happen. We need to look everybody. We need to do it, especially in this time. Be, yeah. be carefree. Be black. Love it. Love yeah. it. Brother, if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? You know, as always, the best way to reach me, if you want to have casual conversation, I'm on Twitter. My name's uh, Wesley Bias, W-E-S-T-L-E-Y-B-A-Y-A-S. If you want to have a, a great pictorial history of my life ever since I've been living carefree black, you can catch me on Instagram at that same handle. Um, I'm always up for a good conversation, particularly on Twitter. If you catch me next week on Tuesday, I'll be live tweeting during the debate and making jokes and having a good time. And hopefully if things look up, we'll, maybe we'll have another fly land on, the, on Donald Trump's head. And, uh, Man. Okay. Yeah, brother. Revolutionaries. Look, this is our time. This is your time. Make this time count. Go vote, go vote, go vote. Your life depends on it. I wish you well, revolutionaries. I love you. I love you. I love you. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Take care. What's good, revolutionaries? I love you. I love you. I love you.